Oh, hey there. Thanks for choosing to listen to Conference Talk. This is Shelby. And this is Kevin. Tune in each week to hear us discuss a conference talk by modern-day apostles and general authorities. We love y'all, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome to episode four of Conference Talk. Is that right? It's episode That's four? right. Okay, good. <laughs> you looked at me funny. I was surprised. I was, I was like, oh, wait. Yeah, we've done three of these already. Yeah. Well, if you follow us on Instagram or Facebook, you know that the talk we're discussing is called Spirit Making Spiritual Memory. It's I'm sorry. That's, that's the t- wow. title I made up. It's called, <laughs> It's called Spiritually Defining Memories by Elder Neil L. Anderson. So, that's right. <laughs> That's the title you made up. My made-up title yeah. is Making Spiritual Memories. Yeah. But I think it's because that's kind of what we want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? So let's just dive in, right? We say that all the time. <laughs> it's our thing. I guess. Shelby. I guess. It's, it's like your our thing. Dive in. <laughs> anyway. So I'm in a silly mood tonight, but I know the spirit will be here. Oh, for sure. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it of course is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, overall, this talk is all about the impact that spiritual experiences have on individuals. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Elder Anderson, he he first starts off talking about Joseph Smith's experiences. And, well, it was specifically his experience uh, in the first vision. Yeah. Seeing Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ appear to him. And what I think is so interesting about that is if we go and look at like the several accounts that we have of Joseph Smith's um, first vision, um, his, you know, his accounts do change or there's slight variations of that account. And, but mainly they're just for emphasis, right? Different Mm -hmm. emphasis is put on certain parts because of who he was addressing or, you know, in what context he was bringing up the, uh, the first vision. But I, I like this idea of what we talked about before we started the recording was to have uh, spiritual, spiritually defining memories. Mm-hmm. We have to have spiritually defining experiences and how do we even get to that point? I mean, I guess the rhetorical question would be, how did Joseph Smith prepare to have that extraordinary experience? I think it's important to point out that in general, I, this is something I wrote down in my talk and I shared it with you in my talk. Oh my goodness, in his talk from the notes. Um, and I shared it with you is that 
human beings exist to live, <laughs> to have joy, and to have experiences. Mm-hmm. And out of those experiences come memories. Like that movie Up. Um, not Up. Um, oh, my goodness. Inside Out. Thank you. Inside Out. Those memories are created, right? And that's actually a really cool. Now I kind of want to study the talk again with that movie in mind. But there's so many things that define and make us who we are. And I think the point that Neil L. Anderson is trying to make part of the point he's trying to make is that these these are so core they're those core memories that need to be implanted in our lives to always remember it because if they're core a core memory like the movie we it's it's key to a part of ourselves for our development correct and so how we make them is exactly what you said. We have experiences, but it depends on what we do to create those experiences. As humans, we create. We create things. We create processes. We created this. We created this podcast, right? Like no one told us to create it. Kevin and I did it ourselves. We created our marriage. We created our relationship. Like we create families. We create buildings. I mean, that's all we do is create and. Some create better, some create all right, some create awesome, right? You get, and so it just depends on who you are and what's important to you that makes that either a spiritually defining moment or not, in right. my opinion. I, I really want to hammer home the quality of the creation, as right. you brought up, right. is dependent on the person's intent in creating it. Right. If you give someone a blank canvas and say, paint this a beautiful, you know, flower or whatever. And they're just like, I'm not really into that. Mm -hmm. But if you were to ask them, hey, what do you really like? And they're like, oh, like Star Wars. Okay, Mm -hmm. well, paint Yoda. Right. Paint (laughs) the Mandalorian. (laughs) Right. Then not only are they going to have a little bit more gusto like they're gonna get into it and they're like okay well like now i really need to prepare and i want to make this good even more important when they don't do great mm-hmm. they will want to do better as opposed to say oh i kind of drew this thing i didn't really want to to begin with so it's not that big of a deal that it sucks i'll just end up throwing it out right that's a, that's a little bit tangential, but what, what I really was focused on was the this idea of creations um, that, that we all create something. And you said some create good, some create okay, but depending on what we want to create, all of our all of our uh, creations that we really desire to create well, that's that's what we need to focus on doing more often, you know. Um, I think of it in terms of like in, in our professional lives, there, there are sometimes going to be things given to us jobs that we don't really want to do, or that we're not, we don't excel at naturally, but we want to do a good job on those things because they lead to better opportunity. So there are some things that are thrust upon you that you need to create. Well, then there are some things that you have the luxury of creating well. We should never be content with creating subpar creations. That that does not that that does not behoove the the plan of the great creator. 
who is our father, right? I, I wanted to get to this point before you go on, is that why, why do humans love creating things? It's because our literal father is the grand creator. He created everything, right? Uh, his son, Jesus Christ, who is exactly like him, is the is the architect of it of it right go on i was just gonna say that when i said some are good some are better i think you hammered home on what i meant was like the quality of the work mm -hmm. um and that's different to every person who may look at it and every individual um and i think i was looking at myself personally about things i've created yeah. that i'm like oh I could have done much better or, you know, my quality was lower than it could have been. But I think the point is that's a good point to set for the foundation of the talk because then it goes into, okay, so we've talked about how God is our father. He is the creator, but it was orchestrated through his son, Jesus Christ, with the creation of this earth. And we're here now. We are like him. So naturally we create things. There's evidence of it in this whole world. And so, um, now that we know that, how do we hammer in and just zone in on the one component of spiritual memories, creating them, right? And I think that's what you got to at the beginning about Joseph Smith. And I wanted to answer your question. I know you said it was rhetorical, but I want to answer it. Yeah. Some of the things that he did to have that experience that defined a spiritually defining moment because there's spiritual moments, but there are some defining ones that you never forget, right? Right. And, and, and you get that statement. I knew that God knew that I knew that, right? Right. Those are the ones we're talking about tonight. We have spiritual experiences if we let ourselves all the time. But I think something that Joseph did to have that experience, there was so much preparation of prayer, reading pondering like everything you can think of because this was a big deal to him mm -hmm. big deal this was not just what should i go get for dinner what should i like this <clears throat> what should i say to my mom on her birthday and on her birthday card like this was something that was an eternal significance and all of that played all of the things he did played into having a defining moment that he would never forget. And at times remember more parts than others when they were necessary to tell people. Right? right. And all those parts together make it even more defining for us today. Right. So I don't know. And, and the whole talk had me thinking back on my life and my defining moments and I mean, it was just great because I know as soon as I wrote like the first one, like all the others just trickled down, like in order of my life, kind of, it was weird. But I was like, oh yeah, so this happened when I was this old and this happened when I was this old and then this and then this. And it just, they don't stop unless you don't heed oh, for the sure. spirit, you know? Right. So anyway, those are my thoughts on that. <laughs> I'm going to take like a, a hard 90. Okay. That's but, fine. But only to follow after this fleeting topic of experiences and, and making choices. Okay. Okay. Let's so do it. So sometimes if we're, if we're not careful, right. If we're kind of casual, 
about this whole idea and concept of agency, we kind of see like the decisions that we make, the choices that we have mm -hmm. as kind of uh, a willy nilly is a, it's kind of a, <laughs> an expression that I really like to use, but it's like, eh, you know, I could either do this or this and you know, this isn't really going to make much of a difference in the long term. Okay. Right. Then there are those choices, the decisions that we make where we have to weigh options, the options or the, the choices very carefully and how we do that ideally is to pray and ponder and seek advice and things like that. But what happens when you're faced with an incredibly high pressure situation that you don't have time to pray and ponder, consider all the options. You have to make a decision right now. You want me to answer? Well, yeah. I think it's the intent behind it all. Like, like you said earlier, if you don't have the time to pray, ponder, and think and do all these things that Joseph had time to do, well, I guarantee you that because of your intent and the restricted time that Heavenly Father knows that you have, mm -hmm. he's still going to answer because of the intent of your heart. That's my thought. So I like, I like that mm -hmm. because I think where you were headed with it or where it, what you took away from my question was when there's a really important decision that I need to make and I don't have time to necessarily um, uh, go through all this, the spirit is going to be able to guide me through. Mm -hmm. What I was trying to get back, and so we'll scroll back a little bit, is how do we prepare ourselves so that when we do have that high-pressure situation, we are ready to receive the direction, the immediate counsel of the Spirit, which it's not even going to come across as revelation to us. It's going to just be a decision that we made, and then two, three years down the road, or maybe even 24 hours pass and we're like, Oh wow. The spirit totally guided me because I didn't have time to make the decision, you know, logically. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote down the key is we have to become disciples of Jesus Christ. We have to be so in tune. Mm -hmm. We have to be so willing to hear him at, you know, at a moment's notice because he's constantly talking to us. There's a part in this uh, talk where Elder Anderson says he, referring to God, God eagerly desires to reveal himself to us. And these experiences, uh, he says, may come at pivotal times in our lives or in what may at first seem as uneventful happenings. And so we have this, this God who is our father, who is incredibly invested and involved in our everyday lives. And he wants to communicate with us. He wants to guide us through. And so he's going to prove us, right? That's the whole purpose of putting us here on earth, prove us to see if we will do whatever he commands. But along the way on our path to exaltation, there's going to be times where, Hey, I wonder if Kevin's going to do this that I asked him to do, or is he going to ignore it? And then there's these high pressure situations of which I'm talking about that, okay, well, this is going to come up in his life. 
just because of other people's agency. It's just because that's right. the way the, the chips fell. And how is he going to respond? And is he going to listen to the still small voice that he's curated his ability to hear over time? Or is he going to be, uh, you know, down in the natural instincts that he has and he's going to pivot in the wrong direction? All, of course, for our gain if we do make the wrong decision, because that's a true, that's a slippery slope is to think, okay, well, because I made this bad decision, God must not be talking to me. Right. Right. It's not true. That's not true. That is a trial that's going to be for your game. It's consecrated actually for your game. So I had a thought. I lost it. What was it based on? Was it about the experiences, about the choices? Something. You said a lot of things. I know. I. <sighs> it's funny because I, I didn't actually feel as well prepared coming into the podcast. Uh huh. But I have been thinking about this podcast, like about this talk, so much uh -huh. throughout this week. Oh, there that's we go. It. So when when you're talking about. You know, Kevin, I'm going to give Kevin, Heavenly Father is right. going to give Kevin this experience. Let's see if he listens. And then at this pivotal moment, high pressure situation, what's he going to do? My thought on that is if we get into the habit of this is what I like seriously live by these apostles words. And I have it here in my scriptures. Let me pull it out. Um, doo -doo -doo. It is from um, Elder Rasband. Mm -hmm. And he says, and I think I've shared this on our Book of Mormon podcast. But I he think says, so. remember the words of Nephi. I was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. Nevertheless, he said, I went forth. And so must we. We must be confident in our first promptings. Sometimes we rationalize. We wonder if we are feeling a spiritual impression of, I'm sorry, a spiritual impression or if it's just our own thoughts. When we begin to second guess, even third guess our feelings, and we all have, we're dismissing the spirit we are, and we are questioning divine counsel. The prophet Joseph Smith taught that if you will listen to the first promptings, you will get it right nine times out of ten. And what I, why I'm sharing that and what you said is that there's another quote. I don't have it, but it says that when we get to heaven, we're going to look back on our lives and we can see everything play out. And we're going to see that Heavenly Father was way more involved in our lives than we thought. And a lot of the decisions we make were actually influenced by a spirit if we're heeding him. And I say that because when we when we live by that principle and that's in the back of our head, that Heavenly Father is guiding us and, and all that is back there and we move forward. It doesn't like even a little decision in a moment or will make a very big impact because you'll know if you would. Okay, here's what I'm trying to say. There's power in recognizing every decision or every prompting the first time and recognizing that it's the Lord's hand. If it's a good thing, I always recognize it as his hand. That's what I'm trying to say. And that will always lead you in a, I believe, in a high pressure situation. You've been following it and recognizing it without even knowing what might come from it. So when you're in that high pressure situation, you're good. 
you've already been doing that. You've already been recognizing his hand and saying, that must be the spirit. You took a different turn on the way home. You were came back up around the other road, saw there was an accident. Oh, that was the spirit. I don't even know why I took a different route. It was Heavenly Father. Just get into that yeah. practice. And then one day you're going to have like this really spiritual defining moment in your life. And you're going to have them a lot. And you're going to have them frequently because you get so, what's the word? You just get so immersed in the power of recognizing his hand. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I like that. This this is interesting. So, because where where you're where you've got my head going mm-hmm. is back when. Okay, there's two different things that I want to talk about. So, hold up. So the first thing that I wanted to kind of talk about, like this analogy that I wanted to make, just before I get into the actual meat of what's <laughs> going on in my head. Okay, as some of you know. And as Shelby knows, I'm a, I'm a guy who likes to lift some weights. Okay. Like to get to the gym. Uh, actually, that's not true. I hate going to the gym, (laughs) but I love working out at home. He loves the home gym. I have the home gym. We have a little section in our living room for it anyway. And so when, when somebody first gets going on the fitness path, especially weightlifting and especially frankly, young guys, they see incredible improvement in their definition and their, in their physique very quickly. Mm. So within like the first six months, they see a very drastic improvement that, you know, their, their chest starts to get a little bit more big and their arms get more defined, um, things like that. And it's because there's this, uh, it's called, you know, newbie gains or whatever, right? Like people who get started, you know, the body adapts quickly. It starts producing those necessary hormones, so on and so forth. So, but then later, after that period, it takes a lot longer to make any significant gains. And then eventually, you know, after you know, five, six years of training, you may get just a very, very slight gradual improvement in a lift and your power uh, or your, uh, your personal best, something like that. <laughs> and so it is with hearing the spirit or hearing him and, and things like that. At least it has been in my case when I get, because, and I'll, I don't mind sharing this, but I, kind of became a little bit less active in the church for several years. And during that time, I, although I regularly read the scriptures, I made it out to church, you know, you know, I don't want to say just less often, I think is a great way of saying it. It just wasn't, I wasn't going often. And, but I, I wasn't as spiritually receptive. And so when I started getting back, to church and reading my scriptures and going to Institute and all this stuff and having conversations with people about the gospel, man, my receptivity of the spirit just jacked up like a thousand percent. And I started making all kinds of connections. And I was like, 
and this is where I go, what you were talking about just now with like taking a different way home. I started seeing as my, my GPS, like my, uh, my direction, my navigator on my phone as the spirit. And I was like, oh man, it knows, it knows everything. And it's going to guide me through, but I have to trust it. Because sometimes, and I, at this point, I was driving all the way across DFW. So I'd be going to <laughs> Wiley, right? I live in Arlington, got to get, get to Wiley. I mean, that's like a one hour trip in perfect traffic. So sometimes I'd look at the route that it tells me to go and I'm like, oh, that's kind of a weird route. Or, oh, that's <laughs> that takes me all the way around the Metroplex when I really just want to take the toll road and get it over with. Right. But it knew something. And I had to trust it. And so I started trusting it. And one morning I decided to just take the toll road because I was kind of like, I just want to be like chill on my drive, (laughs) even though it's telling me to like take this weird highway and do this thing, you know, it wasn't even a back road. It's just a different highway. And I was just like, let me just take the toll road and, and chill. And I'll put on some music, whatever. I hit some traffic and it wasn't even bad traffic. But I immediately was like, oh, this traffic, you know, and I was, I got real upset with myself. I'm like, I should have listened to the GPS. (laughs) And then I was like, you know what? It's really important because it's not about the traffic and it's not about this route. It's not about the navigation. And it's, it's about, it's about me and my relationship with heavenly father and Jesus Christ. Is my relationship good enough that I'll trust him? that I'll be able to hear him that when things happen that I really don't have any control over, am I going to grow in my faith, stagnate or lose my faith? Right. And this, if I may, got me into this idea of turning your brain into a Urim and Thummim. And I'm like holding my head. He's holding his head like a, a like, <laughs> like an alien, alien zoning in <laughs> on something. Like anyway, Urim and Thummim. And this this could be a whole podcast, which uh, no, we're not going. We to. won't go there. But but if you want to study it, go there. Oh, definitely. Anyway, um, you know it's not it's not even as deep as you can go into the doctrine. It's a it's a a prophetic. Uh, tool. Um, nevertheless, so what, what's interesting about that concept of turning your brain into this seer stone or this Urban Thummim is that all that is, and I'll, as an aside, as a disclaimer, that notion comes from something that Joseph Smith said, which was at, later on in his life, he said, I no longer and I'm paraphrasing, I no longer need the Urim and Thummim, which I did need to translate the Book of Mormon and see certain things, mm-hmm. receive revelation. Yeah. But my brain has become a Urim and Thummim now. Right. And I thought about that. and was like, well, how do you get there? And I know exactly how you get there. You do exactly what we've been talking about this whole podcast, which is you listen and you obey and you ask for more. Yes. And if you do that... Mm-hmm. then you'll be this receptor of holy knowledge and power. And you don't have to worry 
about the 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 fleeting things of the world because you're you're beyond it. You're not subject to it right uh, spiritually. And that's when you have the spiritually defining moment. Yes, that Elder Neil A. L. L. Anderson is talking about. And if I may, before you go on, okay, he says in his talk, these defining events often come in learning about the restored gospel or sharing it with others. So there's two paths, right? You can either go deep into your studies, which will then eventually lead you to share it with other people, <laughs> hence uh, a podcast, right? Or just going and sharing something with other people, you'll have this rich experience as well. Hmm. Interesting. I had made a list when I was studying and um, I went through in that quote that you just read. Mm-hmm. Oh, where'd it go? I had it on my phone. Uh, learning or sharing um, yeah. about half of my memories. Actually, a little over half were by learning and sharing. And others actually came by trial. By trial. So, hmm. interesting. But... What I'm sorry if you heard some weird background noise. Um, there's some kids outside, <laughs> and they're like right outside our window, yeah. so it might have picked it up. But if not, then awesome. Great. <laughs> anyway, what I wanted to say was that are these these spiritually defining memories? I remember being on my mission, and I had a moment where. I was actually able to call my dad on the mission, like on a random day to, <laughs> to talk about, um, I had to get this mole removed because <laughs> it was potentially cancerous. Mm. And there was a little over a month left on my mission. And, um, I didn't know what we should do. I, I just, I had no idea. I was like, do I wait till I get home? What if I, what should I get it now? And, um, I got permission from my uh, nurse, the mission nurse to call my, my dad. And so I just called him and, um, I got to talk to him and I, and I got a little bit of insight as to what I was coming home to. And there was a lot of things going on at home and I just, I didn't want to come home to it, frankly, after I had got off the phone with him. And I remember going upstairs in the closet because we had a walk-in closet and I was like, well, here I am literally crying my eyes out, praying in a closet and I kept, it was, I wasn't at this point, I was not praying to get the mole removed or not. What I was praying about was how do I come home? That was a real trial for me. How do I face all this when I come home? And I had, and I don't feel like I should share all of the things that happened in there and the, and the thoughts that came to me, but I do feel like I should share this one thought. One thought that I had was the spirit said so clearly, Shelby, these this moment right here in this closet will be something for you to remember and it will carry you in the future. I don't I just remember writing that down on my little notepad that I took in with me to the closet, but I remember thinking, wow, a moment like that can be so spiritually defining that it will carry you when you have opposition or when something comes that really tests your faith. And I haven't had a real huge test in my faith like that yet. 
where I'm like questioning something so crazy. And I'm not saying that I won't ever have it. But I know that from the example of Joseph Smith and this whole talk is that he kept going back to that. He knew in that grove that God knew and he could not deny that. And that's the same thing for me in my closet. I knew what happened in that closet and I know that God knows and I can't deny that. So come what may, because I know that happened. And that's the point of these spiritually defining memories is so that when that really hard thing comes, we can be carried because of experiences we've had that have prepared us for that moment. And that's what this whole talk is about in my, and, and last thing, these are all manifestations of God's love. Mm-hmm. All of them are manifestations of his love for us. And they, they come as we hear him, like we've been talking about. And so it's, it's interesting because the last, one of the last things he says in his talk, like literally second to last paragraph, he says, embrace your sacred memories, believe them, write them down, share them with your family Trust that they come to you from your heavenly father and his son, beloved son. Let them bring patience to your doubts and understanding to your difficulties. I promise you that as you're willingly acknowledge, I'm sorry, as you willingly acknowledge and carefully treasure the spiritual defining events in your life, more and more will come to you. Heavenly father knows you and loves you. Mm. That's what I meant by more will come because I mean, a prophet said it, but I've experienced it and I can testify that I know what he said is true. So I'm sure people listening to this, there's many thoughts probably running through your head if you've listened all the way through, (laughs) but um, do that, write them down, share them when you feel prompted, embrace them, let them carry you through the trial you're going through right now or the doubt that's happening in your life. Let them carry you. And if you don't have them yet, I bet you do. I bet you do. Everybody has. I I promise that the people listening have had some experience. Go think about it and write it down and let that carry you right now. I'm, I'm compelled to even say little children have these experiences if they 100%. really dig deep. It doesn't, doesn't require some great age. No. Um, I, I really love you right now and I love what you're saying because it's what I've thought and what I, a lot of what I've talked about today is how do we prepare for these experiences? But then you're saying the experiences are the thing which prepares us for, for more. more, And that could be like the trials to come or the decisions that we have to face later. And what I love about that so much is that, and you're so right, everyone has these these memories, Mm -hmm. these experiences that if you let them, they can shape you into a more true disciple of Jesus Christ. But you can also on the flip side, like, like hold them back and reject what and what is that? What it's holding him back? It's pride. <laughs> it's, okay. It's pride that holds him back. Yeah. Because they don't want to. They don't want to admit that they might be wrong, or that they they don't want to admit that they might be feeling the spirit because they've been 
fighting it for so long. Sure. It's that pride that holds you back, in my opinion. This has been a really good discussion. Yeah. Well, I, and, you know, I could go on forever, but uh, we do want to wind down here. Um, I have an invitation. And it's something I talked about at the very beginning uh, before our recording started. I'd invite everyone who listens to this to begin a scripture study of individuals in the scriptures Mm. who have experiences and then try to trace later on where they recall those experiences. So they're, they're, exercising oh, that's really interesting. yeah they're exercising this power of recalling or recollecting the spiritually defining memories i'm going to give you one cuz it's easy alma the younger <laughs> where he has this don't tell him let him go study well i was i said oh, i was going to okay, give it to okay. him I, I thought you meant like give him one to start the only reason that i'm giving this one to you is because it's in this week's come follow me gotcha Okay, never mind. Because now, it, and you'll get to go, and now you'll go to come follow me, and you'll be following the prophet, <laughs> and you'll be blessed. Okay. So Alma the Younger, right, young man, his dad is a very well-established man in the church, right? And he's kind of gone his, home, he's gone his own way. And he's running around causing a ruckus with the sons of Mosiah. And boom, an angel, angel. appears and strikes him with some some righteous, you know, vindication, right? Righteous anger. Yeah, righteous anger, and says, "Why are you persecuting the church and its people?" Right. And later on, he talks about that experience so many times. Yeah. With his own sons, with his missionary companions, with the people that he's teaching, he's like, "This is what happened to me." And, and this is why I've come to know that these things are so important. I want to piggyback off you okay. in that. So one of the things that I wanted to say in closing was when I was reading this talk, I felt impressed that this is one way to help less actives come back to church is by reminding them of their spiritual memories by sharing your spiritual memories. Because Elder Anderson says that point blank in the talk and Alma with his youngest son, Alma the younger with his youngest son. Um, I'm blanking on his name. His youngest son. I'm sorry. The one. I or the one that's last. The, the last one. Corianton. Thank you. Corianton. This is why I love Kevin. Um, he shares his spiritual experience with his son to help him remember his spiritual experiences. And I just started a new job this week. And the, the person that's training me, um, who's my boss, is a less active member of the church. And when I was reading this talk, I thought, what a great way to, like, it was placed, the thought was placed into my head that I'll just share spiritual experiences that I've had with him. I don't need to invite, because he gave a bad, he gave a bad rap for, all the missionaries kept inviting and they stopped by my house so many times. I don't want to feed into that what he already believes. I just want to share spiritual experiences that I have in my daily life. And those will get his brain thinking because a prophet said it. 
about his own spiritual memories. And eventually, hopefully he's thinking about them so much that it compels him to do something. Mm -hmm. Right? And that can be anybody. And it can be anybody that you meet, anybody in your life, even if they're not a less active member. But that was just my specific uh, prompting that came to me. So this is a way that can... Not only does it just help you, but it helps other people like, to gather Israel. Hmm. So that's my closing thought. Is nice. Not only are you helping yourself, but you can gather Israel in doing so. And I know that to be true. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, so before we sign off for today, uh, next week. Yay. is uh, obviously the next talk in, uh, in chronological order. Deep Ooh. in Our Heart by Douglas D. Holmes. So that's pretty cool. All right. All right. Um, this, we're going oh, go to gonna come back next week. We're going to talk about that. Dis- or we're going to discuss that talk. And uh, we'll be following up with your scripture study about these individuals who've had these uh, spiritual experiences and then later recollected them. Um, Shelby, you had something to say before we end? It was just something funny. Oh. I was just going to say that the deep in our heart talk came right after the choir had sang, Mm. I think, possibly. So... We should have been awake to remember it, but I don't remember it that well, is what I was going to say. <laughs> okay. The, and the choir, did they sing a specific song? or? No, I'm just saying, like, you know how sometimes right before the choir sings, you get a little bit tired, and then you wake up when they sing. Oh, so okay. You're really ready to go for the next talk. So okay. that talk is deep in our heart, if I'm not mistaken. All right, cool. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Shelly's over there like, this is one of the talks that you'll remember because you wouldn't be asleep. When yeah, it happened. basically. Okay, cool. But it's ironic because I'm not remembering it very well. So maybe I'm hmm. asleep. Interesting. All right. <laughs> well, we're going we're gonna to sign off and uh, we hope you all have a great week. Uh, definitely for listening. Definitely tune in for the Book of Mormon podcast. We're going strong and we're going to have, we had a guest this last week. He's going to be returning virtually with us for the next one. Um, And BTW, we also have started putting our podcast episodes on YouTube. And so if you have the time and the the desire to do so, go to YouTube and type in Christ-Centered Conversations and look us up, give us a like and a subscribe and all that kind of stuff. Kevin took a lot of time to do it, so show him love. And a disclaimer that the first episodes, the audio is a little bit off. We're working on restoring or repairing some audio, um, you know, but uh, we're all all just learning as we go. So thank you to those who listen, and we'll see you next time. What's something you learned from this episode of Conference Talk? What are your thoughts, impressions, or feedback for us? 
Be sure to write them down and let us know via Facebook or Instagram at Christ Center Conversations. Press forward, saints! Thank you.